0: This is the Easy Living Yards Podcast. I'm Ben Hale, your host that loves making positive progress. Let's jump in and learn how to have a healthy, beautiful yard with less work so you can enjoy more time doing what you love. What's up and welcome to episode 40 of the Easy Living Yards Podcast. Guys, I am so excited to be recording our 40th episode. Uh, This is a big milestone for me, and I'm looking forward to episode 50, episode 100. Uh, It's going to be awesome. So I'm really looking forward to it. I'm glad you guys uh, are getting value out of this show, and I get so much reward from having uh, such great listeners to um, really try and make a positive change in your life. So let's keep going. Let's keep making positive change in our lives and, and really make a difference in our yards and in our landscapes to make a positive difference in our life. Okay, so let's jump right in today. Today we are going to be talking about what's going on in the hail Yard. That's right. What's going on in our landscape and what does it mean for you? how can it make a positive difference for you? So really, I just want to use what's going on with our life right now to really give you a kind of a basis on reality, what's what to expect with your life or kind of things to think about and how maybe you can design your yard to be better and also what level of pressure you need to have with that uh, process. So Let's jump back and give just a little bit of history here of of where my family is and and what we're doing with our yard. And that can kind of give you a little perspective of where we are with our landscape. So Corey and I purchased our house about six years ago in southwest Ohio. And when we purchased our house, we decided we were going to get maybe a little bit more house than we could otherwise afford uh, comfortably by purchasing a house that was in relatively poor condition. So we saw good structure, good bones to it, um, and and we decided, okay, well, we're going to spend the extra effort and the extra expense as well to kind of repair that house, repair those bones to make it a nice home for our family. So that's kind of been the the... the process for the past six years and to be honest those first that first year was essentially triage we didn't even move into our house for a couple months so it was such a state where we could hardly walk in the front door without gagging because of the odor left in the house the home was just kind of really really poorly taken care of and there were a lot of odors a lot of disrepair um, just just horrible conditions, and so we ended up kind of stripping the house out. All the floors got ripped out uh, because they were stained with with uh, pet urine, and even some of the subfloor was ripped out. So we could see the joists. <laughs> funny aside, my uh, well, not for my dad, I guess, but but funny aside for everybody else is is my dad was inspecting uh, part of the floor we had ripped out in the upstairs. And when we had ripped the subfloor out due to what appeared to be moisture damage, we found a, uh, what was left of a bee's nest that turned into a mouse nest, um, underneath the, the floor. So in between the ceiling of the first floor and the floor of the second floor. And, uh, as he was expect- inspecting it, um, I was on the first floor directly below him and, um. Somehow, I guess my dad kind of was getting a little close and uh, ins- and inspecting it, and suddenly I heard a yell, and I saw two legs. St- Digging through the ceiling <laughs> and so my dad had unfortunately lost balance and both fortunately and unfortunately uh, was straddling a joist at least so he didn't come full through the floor but was stopped by the joist um, rather uncomfortably um, and <laughs> and created a ginormous hole in our our living room ceiling now um, we kind of made the best of it and and we were able to um, more easily run some wiring to the center of the living room ceiling because of that and run a switch down the wall because now we had pretty open access to the, uh, to the ceiling. So that was kind of the, the benefit we made out of the whole deal. And then of course had to do some significant drywall patching thanks to my mother. So anyway, funny story aside, but this kind of gives you a picture of how, um, poor condition our home was when we first had it. We, uh, we saw the potential of it and now it is a beautiful home. Of course it has its fair share of stresses and things that um Corey and I still look at and kind of uh are still frustrated with, but we get a lot of good feedback from visitors who have seen the transformation and, and to be honest, it is a it's a beautiful home that we've we've really made uh, the best of it and we're we're happy to be living in it and hope we get quite a few more years of good Uh, family life out of it. So it also is a great environment for our children. So we've been able to create a nice, safe, happy home for our kids where they have plenty of space to um, spend time in. So we're happy we made the investment of both our time and um, and using our, our visionary potential to see the potential in this home. Okay, so that's a bit of the background. Now, kind of part and parcel with this process is we've really had to focus a lot on the interior of the house. You know, we've been doing triage, especially for those, that first year (laughs) we found out, um, we were expecting with our oldest, Uh, about two weeks before we closed on the house. So it was a kind of a stressful time. It it, of course became much more difficult for Corey to help out with the repairs um, and just to, you know, make sure she was being safe around the home with a lot of um, chemicals floating through and also just a lot of physical stress um, climbing up and down ladders and stuff. Uh, You know, we had to make sure she was being safe. And so it, it did um, make it a little tougher for us to make some of the progress we wanted. But to be honest, guys, that's the reality is it's always going to take longer. It's always going to be tougher. And I'm going to kind of talk about some of that today too. So, um, yeah, we, we focused mostly on the interior of the house for the past six years and, and that's everything from doing flooring, painting the whole house. Um, so the whole floor or the whole house was refloored as well um, in various flooring uh, arrangements. Um, the only thing we haven't touched to our chagrin is the bathrooms and the and part of the you know the the um, cabinetry in the kitchen and such. Um, and so of course those are expensive remodels, very time-consuming remodels, and um, we haven't been able to focus on that yet. Um, in between, we've also um, we did have to do some pretty. Uh, I guess we could call it disaster mitigation outdoors. And so we've kind of focused on things that needed to be taken care of, but not um, really beautification of our outdoors. So we had a above ground pool in the backyard that was left as a pit basically, and was also used as a fire pit. So um, burning mattresses and box springs, and couches and apparently breaking a lot of glass, um, that sort of thing. Uh, we ended up having to clean out this pit area, regrade our backyard to prevent some drainage issues against the back of the foundation. Um, so those sort of things we have focused on the landscape, but it wasn't really a beautification process. It was more of like a disaster mitigation process. So we did have some foundation issues that were starting. Um, we had to do some tree trimming to take care of some roots pressing up against the house along with with the drainage issue from the backyard. So those are the kind of things we've focused on outdoors. Aside from that, it hasn't really been touched. Now, I'll be honest, I'm quite a bit excited to be addressing our our outdoor area in front of our house uh, starting this fall. So um, we are working on redesigning our front entry and our front yard landscaping. So we're kind of doing a makeover of our front yard. And so it started with a design process that Corey and I worked through some design and to get really our vision correct, which is very important. And then followed up by working on some of the actual uh, establishment. So we did the design process, we did plant selection, um, we quoted out some costs with a little bit of buffering to kind of figure out where we were. And then we've gotten work, we've gotten to work. And, and so that's where we are with fall of 2018 is right now, most of the evenings after I get home from work, I've been focusing on our landscape and the boys have been my helpers, so they're out there digging little holes in our yard while I'm working on uh setting up uh framing for our new walkway so we're putting in a new walkway and um yeah it's a fun process it's a lot of work so that's what happens with DIY landscaping, guys. Is That's the reality, right? DIY housework, DIY landscaping. It's a lot of work, but it's also a very, very rewarding process. And so that's why we're here is to, to learn how to do this process correctly, to do it right the first time, to prevent a lot of work in the future. And to really get the full reward or as, as much of reward as we can out of this whole process, out of all this effort to increase the value and the joy and the beauty of our yard. So let's kind of jump in more into what specifically are we doing and how does it help? And and guys, I want to step aside for just a second to let you know the reason I'm starting off with this podcast in November about talking about our landscape and what we're doing right now is I want to kick off for no, the month of November. I'm going to kind of have a few episodes here where I'm going to talk about the design process and getting into how can you design your landscape and make a better landscape that you can enjoy more fully as well. So first, I want to start off with our story. And then the next couple episodes, we'll be talking about how you can start to create your own story as well. And so I want today to be an inspiration, a little bit of hope for you as well, and, and some potential and some, um, some uh, um, camaraderie as well, right? We can do this together. We can come through this process together to help you beautify your landscape as well. And so let's kind of come along the journey. I want to take you along the journey as we go through it and to make our yards together better places for our family. Okay, so I kind of already touched on it. So we're starting to focus on the exterior of our home, specifically with a front yard landscaping makeover. Right now what we're doing, we're not going to tackle the whole front yard, Uh, Corey and I have slightly different visions of what we want to do with the front yard. And that will kind of reveal itself as we kind of work through what is a collaborative vision we can come up with. And so instead, what we're doing is we're taking it one bite at a time, right? Doing your landscape can be an overwhelming process. And uh, so the best way to think about it is, okay, we have the intent to do more with our front yard, but let's take it one chunk at a time. And so we're just right now focusing on the entry landscaping. So this is the hardscape and the garden design for our front entrance of our house. So not the whole front yard. We actually have a pretty sizable front yard. And right now we're just focusing on what's the transition from the driveway to the front door and the front of the house to the yard. So that's what we're focusing on. How can we improve that? How can we make it more enjoyable? How can we make it more low maintenance? And how can we just um, increase the the um, the aesthetic value of our home? So that's those are the three main goals for our project right now. And so what we've done is the first and most important things to do is to come up with that collective vision of what do we want? What do we want? Our, our project to do what's the purpose of it is it for purely purely aesthetic reasons is there something about access and we'll go into this design process more completely later on but it's important to get that vision is kind of what the point i'm trying to make right now so Corey and i sat down we hashed through some things we came up with kind of a collective vision of what we wanted and then i basically went to the design board and and i started um curating a few designs, and then we kind of collaborated to figure out what was the best um, process moving forward that appealed to both of us and by by collaborating I mean basically she dogged my projects that I thought were cool concepts and then um, she came up no I'm kidding so she basically she kind of you know from the stuff I had put together she kind of selected what she liked the different elements of each kind of design I came up with I had a couple design ideas and then she said okay this looks cool here this looks cool there and we came up with something that we both liked and that's where we are today so right now we're in the the thick of actually implementing uh, a a secondary version of this original design. So with the front entry, our two focal points is, like I kind of mentioned, the walkway, so we took the walkway and it's a, basically the original contractor implemented walkway is what we had, which was this three foot walkway. And if we aren't edging it every single week, it becomes quickly restricted by the lawn as the lawn begins to grow over it. And and same with the little garden bed that's next to it on the other side. So really the, the reality is this three foot walkway seemed more like a two and a half foot walkway. And it's something that even at three feet you can barely walk down single file comfortably. So we decided we're actually going to invest the resources, bust up the concrete, and start fresh with a new walkway. And so that's a huge investment of time, of effort, and faith as well. And to um to go through this process and we decided to actually do this ourselves as well. So we're gonna be putting in the concrete ourselves, which is also a pretty onerous task. Um if you don't know what you're doing especially so it takes some research it takes some faith some persistence and also just a little bit of grit as you know that um, once you put it in the concrete you can't really change it unless you rip it back out again right so it's it's a pretty big thing like once it's there it's there once it's hard it's hard and and that's how it works so uh, follow us through that process hopefully we have good news coming up with the pouring of our concrete pretty soon um So the walkway was a big thing for me, actually, because access to me is very important And, and creating a visual cue and a physical cue of welcome to our home by creating a broad, sweeping, open access is very important. So it was so important that, yeah, we decided to invest the resources to to bust up the existing stuff and to put in something fresh. And so that's where we're at right now. The, likewise, we're also sprucing up the foundation entry planting. Again, we had p- pretty much like a hodgepodge contractor grade foundation planting. And so it was basically like a rectangle right in front of the house. Originally, when we moved into the house, it had some massively overgrown yew, yew bushes there. So those, evergreen pine bushes, um, also called taxes by some people. Um, and, uh, it just kind of was like, it was just, <laughs> some people call those a mustache planting. Cause you know, it looks like a bushy mustache underneath Tom Selleck's nose. And, um, it was just like, it looked so plain Jane. It was very restricting because the yew bushes were heavily overgrown. So they overgrew the windows that were in front of the house. There was one on the other side of the walkway that basically covered up almost half the walkway um, so as, as you tried to get around it. So it was in pretty rough shape. And so early on, we actually did rip out these yew bushes and we kind of just you know, put some general plants in there in place, but it's, it wasn't really a garden. It was kind of like more of like a weed prevention tactic, which only worked half the time. And so it's kind of just been an ugly thing for the past several years as we've focused on the, the guts of our home instead. And unfortunately for our neighbors, it hasn't been the most beautiful, um, planting out there and uh, unfortunately for me it, it was a horrible design as well and so um, it's something I've kind of had to grit my teeth as I walk inside past the uh, foundation plantings every day or lack thereof on the way home from work and the grocery store and and activities and stuff and just kind of try and you know ignore it but it's certainly not something I'm proud of and it's certainly not something Corey enjoys or is proud of either and so we're really excited to be tackling this landscape head on and to putting in something beautiful that we can be proud of and that we can enjoy and also a landscape that's not going to be tons and tons of work to maintain so that's really where it gets into the planting design is selecting the right plants with the right planting density for the right type of soil and solar aspect and water that you have uh, in order to get plants that thrive and that grow densely together and by themselves to prevent weeds to prevent disease or to resist disease problems and to kind of just take care of themselves. And so that's what I'm putting in is, uh, this, this planting. And and so you guys can kind of join me along this journey to see the plants we're putting in. I'll talk about some of the plants we selected and these will most likely not be the right plants for your, uh, your same garden that you are planning on. So you know, plants is like, it's like paint. There's tons of different types of paint and there's tons of different colors of paint too. Right. And, and given the, the type of medium you're painting on, there's the right paint for the right purpose. And so plants are very similar where it's such a fluid thing and it's so moldable that, uh, it's, it's so hard to, to kind of drill down on what's the specific right plant for you and fortunately enough for us with the advent of the internet there's tons of great resources to help with this and i'm getting off tangent here but but basically i don't want you to be afraid of the plant selection piece people get so caught up in selecting the right plants and that's something that we we can kind of now do a more like um, there there's certainly an art to it but there's al- there's also kind of a um a tangible process to help with that selection piece as well. And so that's the part that I'm going to help you out with. Um, and we can talk about that later. But for now, I'm really excited to show you guys how we can do this and how we can do it in a way that's going to save you time long term by avoiding the, the the serious mistakes of implementing a garden, as well as selecting plants and, and, and spending time in that garden. So those are important mistakes we want to avoid We want to do it right the first time so it can really reward us in the long term. And it can be really something that establishes pride for yourself, for your property and enjoyment and reward, um, just from a, how you can spend time in that space. And also just, um, from how it, you know, it really increases the value of your home at the same time. So, so kind of stick around and see how that turns out for us. Okay. So some of the goals, again, to kind of we already touched on this a little bit but but some of the goals for this space is to create a welcoming space We wanted to enhance curb appeal. We wanted to unrestrict our access and increase our pride. As I mentioned, you know, it's kind of stuff we've kind of gritted our teeth at how it looks currently. We just mow the lawn to keep it trimmed low enough as we need it and to kind of like, okay, put this on hold, do as little work as possible with our landscape right now. And we're kind of kicking it down the road for the future when we can focus more on it. Well, now the front of our house, we're able to focus on it. We're able to make a positive change and we're really excited decided to do so, so when it comes to the plant selection for us, I also wanted to show you guys that there 's a lot of benefit for just regionally adapted plants and and so some people might think that means native plants, and sometimes it does, but there 's also tons of exotic plants that are adapted to our each of our specific climates, and as long as those plants aren 't you know aggressive or invasive plants um, so called invasive that um, you know they they actually might be good for in your landscape. They might be really hardy, you know, really rese- disease resistant um, that's something that sometimes exotics bring a benefit to now for us right now, I do have a big interest in the the positive value that native plants can bring into a landscape and so what I've done for plant selection is I've kind of narrowed it down to almost specifically native cultivars of plants for our front landscape so you notice i said there are cultivars a lot of people um, also like just strict native plants and what i've done is i've actually selected kind of a lot of ornamental varieties of our native plants here to the midwestern u.s and and for for specific reasons because i wanted certain sizes of plants or certain bloom times or certain colors and some of these selected cultivars really do show a, a huge benefit over the native plant from an ornamental standpoint and so um so i've selected these and and we're going to be putting these in to showcase that our native plants to wherever us is right for us it's the midwestern u.s but from wherever you're from there's a lot of value in the plants that are adapted to your region and that evolved in your region and it's not always the case but as long as that plant's growing in the right condition um, it's usually very hardy very disease resistant and also very adaptable to the climatic conditions in your area and so that's part of why um, i've selected the plants that we're selecting for this plant, planting design so um, I'll 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 go into more detail again about the plants um, in a future episode. But for now, I'm just excited to share that piece. Okay, so let's talk about some of the things we've already learned. Uh, we're only kind of halfway through this implementation right now. So basically, what I've done is I've I've removed a lot of the sod, and uh, so we had lawn um, almost up to the foundation. So I've removed a lot of the sod that's going to be in the place of our garden design area. And, um, that's to kind of get rid of those perennial roots, uh, because our sod isn't always a hundred, it's not a hundred percent grass. And so we did have some like perennial weed issues there. And so I actually decided to dig up the sod, um, which unfortunately removed some of the topsoil and the fertility. And so what I have to do in tandem with that is when I'm establishing the garden bed, I'll be bringing back in some fertility by adding some compost and some other materials as well. Um, but for now, um, we we've started with removing that topsoil so laying out the plot of the shape of our garden and likewise the shape of our walkway entry path and then now that we've removed the sod we're now focusing on laying the concrete, doing the hardscape first. So when you do a design, that's what you want to do first before the planting. Planting's kind of like the last thing. So you get everything else in place. So the hardscape is generally like the guts, the backbone of your design. So if you have any hardscape elements, you do that first. You establish that hard piece, that fixed piece, and then you go to the more and more fluid pieces. Like, so then you go with soil amendments and, and coverage and mulching and stuff and planting, and so that's kind of later in the process and so for now i've i've basically we my my dad came over and helped uh rip up the concrete of course you know that's the thing. We ended up renting a jackhammer. So anytime you tell somebody they can use a jackhammer, it's usually pretty easy to get them to come over. Um, honestly, though, I'm thankful that my dad, uh, he's always willing to help. And so dad, if you hear this, thank you for the help. Um, he came over and busted up all the concrete. And unfortunately, that was a week before our son's third birthday. So, um, then we had a, you know, a big dirt patch for people to walk through to come into our house. So, uh, thank you, Corey, for your patience with the unfortunate timing of that as well. Um, And, and so now we have the frame put in place for our new sidewalk. It looks beautiful. And, and this was actually one of the first learning pieces for us was once I put in the framing, I liked the, the, the shape of the the new walk. Corey wasn't a huge fan. And once she kind of expressed how she felt, I couldn't help but agree with her. I mean, so, you know, generally I'm kind of like the design person, the vision person, and Corey's like the very kind of like substance person. So it's she's like, okay, I kind of have to see it before I can give you my opinion, that sort of thing. And that's okay, you know, and, um, you know, we each have these different gifts. And so for her, once she could physically see it, she's like, this doesn't feel right, and then, as she you know we're kind of talking about it, she really had a great point and um, and so now we kind of went back, and we kind of messed around with a few of the previous design elements that we had kind of talked about back at already at the early design process and, and we came up with something that we both loved. And so now that's the current design. It's only a few changes and, um, you know, it's so better to fix something like that now before we put in the hardscape, before we put in all the work and then be unhappy with the final result. So it's, it's so great that we kind of reconnected. We talked about how we felt about the pieces and we were able to change it before it was such a permanent change that we couldn't be happy with it. So, um, so the first thing we learned, yeah, is that, you know, ready to be out, ready to be be ready to, um, be willing to throw out the plan or change the plan. And that's what we did. And that's so true about the design process in general. That's the tough thing with design is design is a messy process, but it's also a fun and a rewarding process and a creative process. It's necessary, but at the same time, you have to be willing to adjust or adapt as things evolve. So let me just go through kind of a list of some of the things we've learned and and maybe how it can help you with your uh, landscaping, your design process, your implementation process. If you're kind of wherever you're at in this stage, even if you're just kind of thinking about changing, uh, this can be helpful. And this can help set your expectations for you, your spouse, your family as well. And so I want to share what we've learned in this process, uh, this project, as well as previous projects. So the first one is almost without fail, that it always takes longer and costs more than you think. And that's just the reality of any project, whether you're doing it yourself or you're having somebody come in to do it. And even if it ends up meeting all expectations of cost and timing, it's just better to go in with the expectation that it's going to cost more than you think, and that it's going to take longer than you think. So here's a great example of this actually is, um, (laughs) all three of our beautiful young boys have been delivered late. So, so, um, when uh, we found out we were expecting, of course, you know, they set a due date, right? You go in um, and doctor kind of gives you a due date and you're like, okay, that's great. And you put this date on the calendar, right? And that's the date. And and you expect your kid to be there by that date, right? That's what the doctors say. But they always say too, you know, that's like only true a very small part of the time. Usually they're a little bit early or a little bit late and it could be up to one to two weeks even of of different way and that's normal of either late or early well unfortunately for Corey all three of our boys were taking their time and they ended up all being induced because they were so late that the doctors were concerned that the babies were going to be too big and that there were going to be certain health issues um, if we didn't induce and so <laughs> they all took longer than expected and you can bet that those those few days Uh, I hope Corey's not listening because to her, it's like those eternal days after the due date were tough, right? It's very stressful to think, okay, I'm expecting it. The we, us to have a baby in our arms this day. And then here we are two weeks later or, you know, several days later and, and Corey's still pregnant And of course it's very stressful and very uncomfortable. And, um, so a project can be a lot like that too. So it's better just to set the expectation greater than what you think it will be. It's going to take longer than you expect. It's going to cost more than you expect. And this has been so true for almost every project in our home. But, but I will tell you this after we've finished each project in our home, we've been very happy with the result. We've been very happy with how it looks and that we've invested the right amount of energy of both time and dollars to do it the right way as opposed to kind of rush things or cheap out on things to get it done quickly. And there've been a few times where we have done things less expensively or quicker than we hoped just to try and get it done and get moving on. And for most of those things, I've had to go back and redo a great example of that right now is, is we had, uh, we have this front pillar in front of our house that holds up an awning over our porch. And when we moved in, there was no pillar. It, well, there was a pillar. It was laying on the ground. Um, and so one of the first things we did was invest in purchasing a pillar and putting it up on our porch to hold up that awning. Uh, and, to get it done quickly i just i didn't do the full prep of painting it the right way and so of course after a year even the paint was cracking and now five years later the pillar looks miserable it looks like it's this weathered pillar that's been there for probably 20 years when in reality it's only been five years so now i have to do the extra work to strip off the old paint to reprep it and to put in a new paint job or alternatively just totally replace the pillar and and so if I'd have done it right the first time and spent the extra, the, just the small amount of extra time or extra energy to get it done right, um, it would have been totally worth it. Okay. So next, I already mentioned it. Design is a messy process. Okay. It's a, it's a beautiful, intricate process. Some people would call it like a symphony uh, that just, you know, everything is intended to work together and to flow and to come together in the end well the reality is it's not always the case and sometimes it's very difficult and it's also sometimes very difficult to to perceive or to to kind of carve out the the um you know the beautiful statue that's in the middle of the stone and so um some people have a knack for it some people don't and it's a very um Fluid process. It's not a kind of a factual process-based thing, uh, you know, step stepwise thing. Instead, it's a very fluid thing that just takes an art, right? It is an art form, and so um, just be prepared for that. You know, it's an, it's a, even if you don't have a skill for it, it's something that I believe everybody can do if they put in the effort. Everybody has the potential to make something beautiful out of their space. Next. Uh, the we 've learned that it 's really important to have a clear vision and to create a plan, so it 's always important to kind of have a goal in mind or a plan of what you 'll do and and kind of lay out the steps, lay out the process, lay out the physical layout of things and and be prepared, be ready to throw out the plan or change the plan if necessary. you know I kind of mentioned this earlier, but it 's worth repeating. Because you never know when you're going to come across something that will disrupt the plan or that you just something just doesn't feel right, like the design of our original sidewalk. And it's better to change things mid plan than to totally um, just keep going because the plan was in place and do it the wrong way. So that's really important. Next. Design and projects can be a very fun and memorable family experience. So. If you work to involve your family, to really incorporate them into the process, it can be really fun. It might take a lot longer, but it can be really fun and really rewarding and and lead to a lot of memories. And to me, that's really important. That's almost just as important as the project itself, if not more important, because let's face it, at the end of your life, are you going to be more concerned about the relationships you had, the legacy you're leaving, or whether or not you got the project done on time? Okay, and how beautiful your front yard looked, right? What's really the important thing? And so let's focus on that make sure we incorporate that to make those memories, to make the fun experience as opposed to just get the job done. So a great example of this is when I was about six years old, my parents made the epic decision to um, install the best jungle gym in the whole neighborhood and this thing was legit it's actually still standing so this thing is awesome <laughs> so uh basically the the way this jungle gym was designed was it has like four um foundational platforms one of which is a giant platform um, with a steering wheel a slide there were tunnels monkey bars a ramp uh, different platforms to climb up um, a fire pole so everything kids want right in their backyard and this thing was built out of four by sixes and like as far as um you know this the vertical structure to anchor it in so this thing was legit and all of our little neighborhood friends came over we'd have awesome games of tag and stuff on it um And, of course, it had swing sets as well and climbing bars. And so this thing was awesome. It still is. And so now their grandkids enjoy it. But you know what's more important? So not that the project got done. My biggest memory of having this thing built was that I got to nail some of the nails on the ramp of that play gym. And yes, they were ridiculously crooked and probably my dad had to go back out there at like 10 p.m. and actually nail it in properly. But I don't remember that. I remember the fact that I was out there with my little dinky hammer hammering in nails and I built that play gym. And my brothers have the same memory, my two older brothers, of being able to help build that play gym. And that's what was important. Not that our dad got it done on time and so quickly or or so... fully or whatever it's the fact that we got to help with that process and that was really important to us especially as young kids so make sure you make it a fun memorable experience for your family don't put so much pressure on yourself and this is a i'm talking and i'm actually trying to listen to myself say this too because i need to remind myself of this this should be a fun memorable family experience something that Uh, everybody in the family should be able to look back on fondly and share good memories of the process and and how things happened okay next don't wait until it's too late so i just said slow down and enjoy the process right well now i'm contradicting myself i guess but don't wait until it's too late and what i mean here is is make sure you plan things appropriately so right now it's it's november and i have to lay concrete and so i we're already past our first frost date. You don't want to be laying concrete and freezing temperatures. So I do have a tight timeline here. So it would have been ideal if I had the design done sooner and ready to go. And, and the things started sooner or get help in to get things done faster. Now there's expectation and there's reality, right? And so I don't that. So the previous um, comment I made about having a fun, memorable family experience, that should be the reality. The expectation should be get done, get done quickly, but not so much that you sacrifice the reality, right? You want it to be fun and memorable. And I'd rather sacrifice the timeline, make things less than ideal in order to keep it a fun, memorable experience. And that's what we're trying to do. So we are past timeline, way past timeline, but we're making it a good process. And I'm not trying to completely sacrifice family values, family memories for getting things done. And so we're going to make it work. We're going to figure out how we can work in less ideal conditions in order to have a good experience with it and to do it the right way so we don't have to redo it later. Next, and this kind of goes in a little bit in tandem, is that it's good to have stretch goals. And what I mean by this is not just a timeline standpoint, but to have stretch goals from expectations of what you would like to have. So it's good to have a little bit of vision to think, you know, from a visionary standpoint or think with high expectations. And, you know, you don't want to set them so high that you're disappointed with your outcome, but you want to set it high enough where you stretch yourself a little bit and you get out of your comfort zone and you do something that's more beautiful, more attractive than what you thought you could otherwise do. And that's what I'm talking about here. So stretch yourself just a little bit, stretch your family just a little bit to think beyond what you could do. And maybe it requires a little extra budget, but maybe you could spread that budget out over a longer time period as well to install it over a longer time period to get more out of, you know, what you thought you could do next. And this kind of, again, builds off the previous one is that it is okay to stretch yourself. So basically, jump into where you're a little bit uncomfortable. You have a little bit of fear about what you're doing because, you know, maybe it's the first time you've done it. Or maybe it's trying something that's a little bit newer that you're not totally comfortable with. And and that's going to really kind of stretch you a little bit beyond your skill level. But it's just enough where it's making you uncomfortable. But when we're uncomfortable, that's when we learn the most. We're the most creative. And usually you get a better outcome. So think about how you can stretch yourself with your projects to to get you a little bit out of your comfort zone, to learn more, to do cool things with your own property. And in a way where you're going to be committed to it, you're going to follow through and you're going to do something cool. And also you're going to have more fun with it. So that's why it's good to stretch yourself. Okay, guys. Well, so I've kind of rambled here. I hope it doesn't sound like rambling, but more like interesting, appealing stuff that you can apply to your own work. Okay. That's kind of my intent today is give you a perspective of what I'm doing. Not because I love talking about us, but more like, I want to have you guys realize that we're in this together. We're doing the same stuff you're doing that you want to do. And I want to show you that you can do it. If you're not sure whether or not you can do it, you can, it just takes time. It takes commitment takes a little bit of vision, right? And and these are skills that we can work on developing and that I can help show you through the process to get there. Okay? So let's do this. Now if you're a little caught up even just on the initial part of like how do I even think about designing my space, right? It sounds overwhelming. So how do I even think about it? Well, so let me talk about the links in today's show notes. All I have is just one specific link today to today's show, and that is a little exercise I have. It's a, a free resource, so if you check out the the link in the show notes, uh, you go over to Ely slash Episode Forty. That's Episode Four Zero, and right there in the show notes, or you know, you might be if you're listening to this on your podcast app, you can just scroll down. You might be able to click on the link in the show notes depending on the app you're using. So there is a link to what I call a fresh perspective on landscape. And this is a short exercise you can do to really start getting your brain wrapped around this kind of design process, how to really think a little bit outside the box. It's a little artsy, right? But this is a way to get you to look at your landscape from a different lens than you used to looking to it on the way to and from work each morning or each afternoon. And so this kind of steps you out of that, that typical routine and gives you a way to think differently and just start thinking about how you can design things differently or better or to be more enjoyable, uh, have more curb appeal and so on and so forth. So go on, check out that link, uh, a fresh perspective on landscape and just enjoy the process. Okay. Now, likewise, if you guys want to get started on some other things, uh, you want to know about some plants or some other stuff about like living life with passion that and how it ties into your landscape, head on over to E-L-Y dot how slash free. And I have a bunch of free resources there that you can download and you can get started on changing your life through your landscape. Likewise, if you want more specific one-on-one help with me, you can set up a consultation with Ben Hale over at ELY.HAL slash consulting. Again, link in the show notes. Likewise, if you want to ask a question for the podcast or you just have a question that you need some help on in your landscape, head on over to ely.how slash pod and right at the top of the page, there's a button where you can ask a question. All right, guys. So good luck with your landscaping. Good luck with your, your visionary processes to redesign your life through your landscape. Thanks for tuning in and make sure you live with passion and make tomorrow better than today.